Good morning. Um, I'm just so happy that we're a church that has joy between generations. Amen? Come on. Can you find somebody that is not in your generation and just wave at them, smile at them? Come on. There's a bunch of them down here. There's a bunch of them out there. Um, I know that there is uh, a lot of things that we could all be really, really stressed out about. Is anybody stressed out about school? Yes. Okay. Is anybody stressed out about, well, oh, let's, don't, don't raise your hands, um, money or, you know, maybe your car? Um, you know, maybe <laughs> there's a lot of things that we could be negative about. Amen. Right? There's a lot of things that we could focus on, but the Bible says to focus on things that are praiseworthy, things that are good, things that are holy, things that are righteous. And at the very top of that list is our God, Jesus Christ. Amen? So would you guys stand up? We're going to take a break from the negativity. Amen? I have no idea what Pastor Andy's going to preach on, so hopefully this works. <laughs> He's going to preach out of the Bible. It'll be, it's going to be great. Um, Lord, we thank you that we have sanctuary here. Lord, that we can walk into your house. Lord, we can enjoy your presence. God, we can um, lay um, our burdens down. God, that you're going to carry those for us. Lord, I ask that um, the next few minutes that we're here all together, um, when the kids go back uh, to their classes, Lord, I ask that we would hear your voice. God, that we would learn uh, what your will is for us today. And ask that we'd be changed to look more and more like you. And everybody said, amen. Joy 
painful cross that took all my guilt and sin away. Jesus, you have won me. You have broken every chain with love and mercy. You have triumphed over death and you Wonderful cross that took all my guilt and sin away. Come on, Jesus, you have won me. Come on, see that. Jesus, you have won me. You have broken every chain with love and mercy. You have triumphed over death and you are worthy. God's broken some of things that you were stuck in. This next song is about encountering God um, through the things that we do, uh, the things that God's given us. It's about encountering a God that loves you. Like deeply deeply loves you.
Take me by the hand, walk with me by quiet streams. I need to hear the wind, feel the ground beneath my feet. Cause you're the only friend. Set my soul at ease And in the quiet pride of my Father's eyes I remember who I am When I feel the warmth of my Father's smile Feels like I've been
that the way the Lord's looking at you this morning? Let's just take a moment and give him some thanks for being there for us, smiling at us. He's happy with you. Amen. Just, just take a couple of seconds and bow your heads and just, just thank him for his love. Father, I know you're more proud of us than we think. For some of us, it's been a difficult week. It's been a battle. And in some cases, we may not have been as successful at being the best Christian we could be, but it still didn't lessen your love for us at all. You didn't look at us in anger or disgust, but with compassion. You sought us to see what you see so that we can have what you have, which is joy and love. Encourage our hearts, Father, to just continue to seek your face, especially when we have difficult weeks. But Father, there's some in the room just had great weeks. They experienced you in a great and powerful way. They felt your love. They knew your care. They knew that they were okay. Thank you for giving us those weeks. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, church. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Kids, you are dismissed. And who is touching my leg? Savannah. Well, you're going to have to lead worship then. You're going to lead worship next week? Okay. And he doesn't have to sit for the preaching, and he still wanted more singing, so. Okay. I actually had different plans for this week, but I felt like um, just very strongly that the Lord had something that he wanted to say and then and then I wrestled all week with what I thought he wanted me to say. So I'm not sure how this is going to work out today, but we're going to work it out anyway. Oh, I got ahead of myself. I got to make some announcements. This this coming Thursday is our first Thursday. It's where we gather together and we have a meal and we have communion and we have a, a, a lesson and uh, it starts at 6 o'clock. We're going to still start at 6, but we're not going to have food this week. We're just going to get right into the communion, right into the communion, a little bit of worship, and then we're going to get into the Word. Amen? Pa- Pastor Mark's teaching on, this, on, on the Holy Spirit this week. So, Yeah, okay, now you're excited, right? Mark does that. Just no food. Spiritual food. Uh, any other announcements? Um, let's pray for our offerings. Here, here's what I want to do. I want to pray that God blesses you so much that you have to give to support his work. Right? Because that's, sometimes that's our excuse for why we don't trust God with our tithes and our offerings because we don't have enough. So I'm just going to pray that God gives you so much that you're challenged to trust him. Can we do that?
Let's pray. Father, I think it's important for us to recognize that you are the provider. That you are the one who blesses us with all things that we have. All things we're going to earn. Everything everything that we're going to obtain comes from your loving hand. So my prayer for this congregation is you bless them so much that they can't deny that it was you and will honor you with their tithes and offerings. That they will not just trust because they don't have a choice, but they'll be so blessed that they won't have a choice. I know it's kind of hard to imagine in this world that we're living in, Father, but we know that you are the great provider. So bless us, please, that we may honor you, please. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, We're going to enter into the next 34 chapters of Isaiah. (laughs) But the interesting thing about the next 34 chapters of Isaiah is we enter a conversation between God and Israel, not ourselves. So it's almost like you have to take the scripture and make it fit into our time. And there, there are aspects of the scripture that in Isaiah 7 through 40 that uh, we can apply. So we'll, we'll, we'll be doing that. We'll be applying it so it makes sense. But really, I want you to understand that it's really a conversation between God and someone else. And I know that's not what you're looking for because we like all the conversations to, to include us. But sometimes God is silent. And that's not a bad thing. See, I think we can miss a lot in the silence because we're so afraid of silence. This, this generation especially... You can't be two, two inches from your phone because you can't stand the silence. You've got to have a ding or a ring or a text or a phone call or something. But what happens when there's silence? What happens when all you get is that little text box that has the dots that just keep showing that somebody's texting you something but they're not sending it to you and then you realize they didn't even send it to you. They sent it to somebody else. See, I think we miss something in the silence because we're so wanting and thinking we need to hear from God. Amen. Moses left his life behind in Egypt to go out into the desert to meet with God. He literally left this earthly ease, the comforts of Egypt, to go into the desert to meet with God. He gets out there and God doesn't speak to him for 40 years. Think about that for a moment. What if God spoke to you when you were 20 and now you're 60 and God is just now going to talk to you but he hasn't talked to you for the last 40? Would you give up on God? Would you think there was something wrong? Would you be upset in the silence? Would you fall away from God because God's not speaking to you? We tend to think that silence from God is bad. Now, it might be that we've grieved the Holy Spirit that we talked about. What We talked about that a couple, three weeks ago. It might be that you've grieved the Holy Spirit, and that's a, another issue we'll talk about here in just a little bit. But what if God's just silent? What if God is using the silence to set us up for something greater? What if the silence leads us to holy ground? 
Because after 40 years of being in the desert, when God not speaking to him, God led him to a burning bush and he knew he was standing on holy ground. Would you give up 40 years of conversation that is casual for one moment with holy, in holy ground, on holy ground? Would you give up seasons of silence, seasons where you're not hearing from God, just for one moment where you're so, God's voice is so clear and so powerful that you can't deny that it is God himself that is saying something to you. See, silence can do several things. And I just picked some things out. I thought I'd help with the marriages in the building. Silence can keep us from sin. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. You ever say too much, guys? Like, sometimes you just should, should shut up. But you just say, whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And the word prudent means to be cautious for the future. Like, whatever you say, you're going to pay for. So just shut up. Okay, you. All the guys are quiet. Let me get one for the women. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. Welcome to New Life. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Have you ever realized that sometimes the things that we say sound really stupid when we listen to them back? I, I wish we could record every conversation we have, especially in marriage, because you'd listen to, to it back and you'd be like, I was an idiot. Proverbs eleven twelve says, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Sometimes silence can give us respect. Even Jesus said, I'll tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I'm not preaching on words today, I'm preaching on silence. But sometimes it's just better to just say nothing. And I was trying to rectify that with how do you preach and say nothing? Well, I'm, I've probably preached a lot of sermons that have said nothing that were full of words. Okay, at least I can laugh at myself. But this generation is so afraid of silence that you'll make up conversations in your head when nobody's talking. How many of you do that? You just run around and you, you're making conversations. This is what I'm going to say to them. You're not even talking to them. You're talking to yourself. You'd be at so much more peace if you weren't having that conversation in your head. But you have that conversation in your head because you think you need to have it. And have you ever noticed that the conversation in your head never, never adds up to a conversation that you actually have with the person that you're having it in your head? Or worse, a lot of people are determined to make God speak even when he's clearly saying nothing. I hear this all the time. God said this to me. I don't think that's what God said to you. I think you're saying that's what God said to you. God has said nothing to you, but you think God's saying something to you, so you make it spiritual. And how can you deny someone when they're saying, God spoke to me? Or you're living a life of sin, you're grieving the Holy Spirit, and you say God's, living, or God's speaking to you. I don't think that's happening, because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble.
But that doesn't mean that silence is bad. So I'm just going to share three things, four things, three things in a spare. <laughs> Have you ever thought that when God goes silent, he wants you to feel something? When God goes silent, have you ever thought that maybe he wants you to feel something? Jesus felt this on the cross with, when, when the earth went dark and he knew that he was separated from his father. And he said, my, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God wanted Jesus to feel what it was like to be distant from God because that's what hell is going to be like. Hell is going to be a place where you're so distant from God that you can't hear his voice. And Jesus needed to feel that so he can identify with what men are going to feel like when they are separated from God for eternity. You can't tell me that when Moses was out in the desert and God was silent that he didn't feel forsaken. At least, How many times have you said, I've come all the way out here. I've come all the way out here. I've come out into the desert. I gave up my old life. I gave up what I could have had. I've come out here, and now you're not saying nothing? I mean, year one, you can kind of think, okay, maybe God's not saying something. Year two, you're kind of wondering what's going on. Year 10, you're like, this is stupid. I'm living in the desert, watching sheep. Have you ever felt like God led you somewhere and left you? Have you ever felt like God led you somewhere and then left you? And he's just not speaking anymore and you don't know why. Because we want, we want to obey and go and we see a reason why we obeyed and went. The Bible says this about King Hezekiah. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32-31. It is said of Hezekiah that God left him to himself in order to test him to know what was in his heart. Know all that was in his heart. Yeah, it's not just know what was in his heart, but know all that was in his heart. Have you ever noticed in the silence you find out the truth, of, the real truth about what's going on in your heart? God's silence can be a test to know what is in your heart concerning him. If Deborah were to pass, I would be grieved. And I thought about this the other day because I don't have a lot of pictures of her. Because she doesn't like me to take pictures of her. Because I never take them right. I always take them looking up her nose or <laughs> looking when she's eating food, stuff like that. And I thought about that. I thought, would I miss? The I've been with this woman for 40 years. I don't think I'm going to forget her face. But I'm going to miss her voice. I think the saddest part about loss is not just like my, my father passed away. I, I can see what my father looked like. I just look in the mirror and I see my dad. But I miss his voice. I miss the conversations that me and my dad used to have. What's in my heart? I miss my father. What a horrible thing to imagine. God not speaking to me. Have you ever thought about that? Could you imagine if God just stopped speaking to you? You weren't able to hear his voice for 40 years. See, if God's feeling leaves, if God's, if God 
and his silence leaves you without feeling, then there's probably a sense that you don't know him. Like if he's not talking to you and you don't know him, you, you probably don't care. I don't care that God's speaking to me or not. What difference does it make to me? It's because you've never heard his voice. But if you've heard his voice and now he goes silent, you should feel something. You should feel a grieving that God is not speaking to you anymore. We're worried about the silence and what we should be doing is we should be feeling, why isn't God talking? Why isn't he communicating? Why is it so quiet? Sometimes it takes time to feel something. It might be why it took Moses 40 years. What do you feel when God doesn't say anything to you? I wrestled with that this week. I'm trying to get a sermon together. I'm trying to I'm saying, "Come on, Sunday's coming." I'm running out of time. So I wrote four sermons. Not one of them are what God wanted me to say. God kept saying, I'm not telling you. I'm like, come on, you got to tell me. You got to give me something. Otherwise, I'm going to make it up on my own. Did it four times. I wonder how many times we make up God's voice, even though he's not speaking to us, just so we could feel something. I think that's why sometimes people say, I've heard from God when you haven't heard from God because you just want to feel that maybe God's talking to you, but maybe God's not talking to you. You're just making it up. When God goes silent, he wants us to feel something. I believe when God goes silent, he wants us to know if we'll still obey him. It's been said that you can find out who somebody really is when no one's watching them. It's funny how we'll obey when we're in front of our parents, but get us away from our parents. And we don't obey our parents the same way. We obey in the house of God, but get away from the house of God. We don't obey the same way. Get us in our home. Get us behind our screens. Get us in, our, in, our, in, our, in, in the quietness of ourselves. See, I think the same could be said about those who only obey what they're told to do. Why is it, do you have one of those kids that you got to tell them what to do every day? Brush your teeth. Every day you got to tell your kid, brush your teeth. Why do you got to keep telling them, brush your teeth? At some point in time, they think, you think they're going to get it and brush their teeth. Take a shower. If, there's, if it's a 13-year-old boy, take a shower. You take a shower every day. Hey. Is it not frustrating that you got to tell them over and over and over again? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says this. Let me read it. If I can see it. I should be able to quote it, but. Hebrews says, not to forsake the, that's 25. Not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, even so much the more as you see, see the day approaching. We know that the end is near, right? Why do I have to tell you every week to come back to church the next week? Why do we have to repeat it all the time? Come to church, come to church. Why do we have to repeat reading your Bible? You got to read your Bible, got to read your Bible, got to pray, got to pray. Why do you have to be told to do things that you already know to do? Well, God's not speaking to me. Why does God have to speak to you about something he's already said? Are you with me? Why does he have to repeat himself and just say it over and over again? Why, 
Why don't we just do what we already know to do? King David tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem. And he put the Ark of the Covenant on a cart pulled with oxen. And at one point the cart oxen stumbled and the cart started to fall over. And the Ark of the Covenant started to fall off the cart. So Uzziah reached back and touched the Ark of God which was holy. And God killed him for trying to save the Ark. And David got angry. Because it didn't make sense to why God would kill a good man for doing a good thing. So in the silence, David stopped what he was doing and left the ark on, the farm, on a farm until he could hear from God. And the reason it happened is because he didn't obey what God had already said. So David, not sure what to do. Oh, God, I'm sorry, I already said that. First Chronicles chapter 15, verse 13 says this. This is the explanation. Because you did not carry it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not seek him according to the rule or the word of God. Verse 15 explains that. The Levites carried the ark on their shoulders with poles and Moses commanded, as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. God told them, if you're going to carry the ark of the covenant, put poles in the rings and have priests carry the, the ark of the covenant. Don't put it on a cart. Don't have oxen carry it. Here, I've got a specific way I want my things taken care of, and this is the way I want it done. And I'm not going to tell you again. He, Moses already said how to do it, and David just forgot it. So he consecrated the people. The worship of God was elevated. They took six steps and stopped and sacrificed an animal. And, an, and, a, and, a, and a, they sacrificed two animals, actually. And they would go six more steps and they would sacrifice another animal. They would go six more steps. Just think about that. Six, every six steps they made a sacrifice to God because they wanted to obey the word of God. David, like many of us, think God just needs to keep telling us what to do, things that he's already said to do. And when God stops speaking, the question is, will you continue to obey what you already know to do or will you wait for another word from God that's the same word that he's already said? I've preached on forgiveness more times than I can imagine. Why won't you forgive? You know the scripture says that if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. And yet I gotta say it over and over again to God's people. You gotta forgive, you gotta forgive, you gotta forgive, you gotta forgive. Why won't you just obey the word of God? Well, God's not telling me to forgive. He's already told you to forgive. He's already said it. Take out the garbage. Why do I have to repeat myself? Take out the garbage. 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 If you said it once, in my home, that's the way I was raised. I was raised in a home when, when my dad said something, that was law. And he didn't repeat himself. My mother didn't repeat herself. That's how you raise eight kids in a family. James chapter 4 verse 15 says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Or we're going to live according to the will of God. As it is, you boast in your arrogance and such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. If you already know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it, God says, you're committing sin against me. Do you get the depth of that? 
Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it is sin. If, you already, if God's already spoken it, he doesn't have to say it twice. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is, but, uh, but, but provoking one another. Um, I'm messing that whole verse up. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another even so much the more as you see the day approaching. I knew I'd get it. I've got it saved here, but I keep going to Acts. Why does he have to repeat it? Well, he's not saying anything. Why does he have to say it again? See, sometimes we get mad at the silence, and the silence is probably a good thing that he's not saying something, because what he'd be saying is, take out the garbage! David, in silence, went back to the Scripture and obeyed it. See, sometimes when God goes silent, you just got to go back to where he stopped talking to find out what he said to you. What does that really mean to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another even so much the more as you see the day approaching? What does that really mean? Some are going to say, well, that doesn't mean gathering together on Sundays. And I, I, I heard a preacher this week... It, I'm scared to death for the future with some of these young preachers. I heard a preacher this week basically say that Sunday worship is not necessary. It's been followed for 2,000 years. We've been worshiping on Sunday morning. Why? Because that's the morning that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. So we celebrate the morning that Jesus rose from the dead every week. We've been celebrating it for 2,000 years. But all of a sudden, we've got a whole bunch of young preachers that are smarter than the Word of God and smarter than the work of God for the last 2,000 years. And we have... Our own way of doing things now. So we're going to teach people to not obey the word of God. Because we don't think the culture will accept what the Bible says. Yes, that angered me. Because I already know what the scripture teaches. And I know what history teaches. And I know what the Bible has said over and over again. Why does God have to repeat himself? Because he's silent. If you know to do good and you don't do it, that's sin. Will you obey the God with will you obey God with the word that you know? Even if God never says it again. If God never if God speaks to you and says gives you a word and he never speaks it again, will you continue to obey that word or will you wait until he says it again? Since we're having fun, let's just go for the whole thing, right? Why do we have to tell you to tithe? Over and over and over again. Because you're not listening or because you want him to say it again? You want us to quote Malachi chapter 3? You want us to quote um, Jesus when he said, these things you ought to have done and not leave the other undone? Why do we have to do that? Because God's silent. We want God to tell us over and over and over again. You already know. I'm amazed at the number of Christians that get saved, get on fire for God, start obeying the word of God, especially in the area of tithing, and then a year later, they stop. Because they can't buy the things they want. Because they have to actually trust God with what they have. And you're waiting for another word from the Lord. You're just waiting for another word. But what happens when he's silent? 
Will you obey when he's silent? Okay, that was fun. We're just going to move on. That'll make me happy and everybody else. When God goes silent, I, want to, I think he wants this. I think he wants to know if you can sense your sin. When he goes silent, I think he wants you to sense your sin. It's one of the first things I check when God goes silent. Have I done something to cause him to stop speaking to me? First John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 10 says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Have I sinned to silence God? Have I grieved the Holy Spirit of God? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Have I grieved the Holy Spirit of God to where he's just not speaking anymore? I'm not talking about quenching the power. I'm talking about grieving this, the person. See, if you can discover your sin that's the source of the silence, you can restore the voice of God. It might be that your sin is just a, a, a thing that God's saying, I'm, why would I talk to you? You're not even listening to me anyway. See, I call this reading the room. And I would have thrown everything else out I said to get to this point. I call it reading the room. And reading the room isn't reading what other people are see, feeling. It's reading what you're feeling, what's going on in you. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, I'm sorry, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. See, when I feel my love waning, I start to read the room. Am I in sin why I'm not loving people? It's because if the Spirit of God is love, if the fruit of the Spirit is love, and I'm not feeling love, then why is love waning? Why is love going away? Why, is, why am I struggling with love? It can't be that God's not love because God is love. It's, it can't be that the, if the Spirit was, was, uh, was, if I was full of the Spirit, I would be full of love, right? So if I start feeling not loving, I need to read the room. What am I doing? When I feel my joy of life draining, I read the room. If the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and it's supposed to be a joy that's unspeakable and full of God's presence, full of glory. If I'm not feeling joyful, then I got to read the room and ask myself, why am I not feeling joyful? It might be, it could be, it probably is that I'm in sin. So God doesn't need to tell me that you're, you're in sin. God, I can sense it because I'm losing joy. When I feel my peace leaving, I read the room. Why am I not feeling peaceful? Why am I not trusting God? Why am I not relying on God? Probably because I'm relying on myself. When I feel impatience growing, I read the room. Because the fruit of the Spirit is patience. So if I'm being impatient and I'm reading the room it's probably because my impatience is sin and I'm not waiting on God or my wife
When I feel aggressiveness rising, I read the room. Why am I feeling aggressive? Why is kindness going away? When I feel my evil increasing, I read the room. When I feel my doubts filling up, I read the room. Why am I doubting? Why am I doubting God? It's not because God's not trustworthy. It's because my sin is probably rising up in me. When I feel my humility fleeing, I I read the room. Why am I feeling prideful? Why am I feeling defensive? Why am I feeling that? Because that's not the spirit of God. When I feel my temptation controlling me, I read the room. If the fruit of the Spirit is uh, self-control, and I have no self-control, the problem isn't the Word of God. The problem is that I'm not listening to the Word of God. I'm not listening. I'm not reading the room. Because what we really want is God to say, you're not loving. You're not joyful. Instead of reading the room for ourselves and saying, listen, I can, I can understand that if I'm not feeling loved, that's probably because I'm in sin. See, I'm not talking about reading the room of another person's fruit. I'm talking about reading my own, because that's what we do. We like to walk into a room and say, oh, oh, I sense a spirit of sin in the room. Yeah, it's yours. You're judgmental. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm holier than that. That's pride. And the Spirit of God is not with you. And you're not, you're not hearing from God. You're not reading the room hearing from God. You're reading the room hearing from yourself. See, I believe this. When the Spirit of God is uneasy, I should be uneasy. When he's uncomfortable with me in the room, I should probably start thinking about what I need to change about myself. And so I check myself before he leaves the room and I fall into sin. Sorry, I got my notes all mixed up. Have you ever noticed that when you're not listening to the room, when you're not listening to the, what the Spirit of God is saying to you, you're, you're not loving and joyful and peaceful and all the other good parts of the fruit of the Spirit? that you're going to fall into sin? Let me read the verse. Ephesians 4.30 and 32 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, when I'm starting to feel bitterness, the Spirit of God is not speaking to me, my bitterness is. And wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice, along with all malice. We're supposed to put that stuff away. We're supposed to sense that. We're supposed to, well, God's not saying anything in that. Yes, he is. He's already told you that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. You don't need the rule if you're obeying what he's already said. Be kind one to another. Why is this so hard for Christians to be kind one to another? Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as Christ forgave us. How did Jesus forgive me? Freely, fully, finally. 
And all I had to do was accept it. Why aren't we forgiving people freely, fully, and finally? No, no, no. I'll forgive you today, but I'm going to bring it back up tomorrow. I just feel the Spirit of God telling me I've got to bring up your faults and your failures and your sin. Ephesians 5.3. But sexual immorality. Speaking of, uh, of grieving the Holy Spirit of God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. See, God is not telling you that porn is okay because of your, whatever your situation is. God is not telling you that affair that you're thinking about having, the, the, the thoughts that you're having, he's not saying it's okay, they're just thoughts in your head. As long as you don't act upon it, that's okay. No, no, no. Jesus said if you even think about committing adultery, you've committed adultery in your heart. These things shouldn't even be named among us. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place. He doesn't need to tell you that those things are wrong. You already know they're out of place. You already know, like, there's things that you would never say in front of me that you would say to your wife or your husband. And you think it's funny, but it's not funny. It's foolish, crude. You'll say it to your buddies at work, but you won't say it to, you would never say that to God. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ, Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God becomes upon the sons of disobedience. The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So not only do I have silence from God, now I've got to face the wrath of God. Because I won't obey what I already know to do, and I'm not reading the room. All you've got to do is read the room. Am I bearing the fruit of the Spirit, or am I bearing the fruit of the flesh? God's already spoken and said what he means. He wants to know, are you feeling something? Sometimes I preach the word of God and I know the word of God should be touching you, he should be speaking to you, but you don't feel anything because you're not hearing from God. You're hearing from me. What you're feeling is mad at me instead of reading the room and saying, maybe I'm in sin, maybe I'm the problem. See, before Christians had a complete Bible, they read the room. Before they had a complete Bible, before they had everything that we have in our hands right now, all the truths contained in the scripture, all the words that God wanted humanity to have, before they had that, they had to read the room. They had to read what they were feeling according to what God had already said. So when Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, he was not saying it because he read it somewhere, but this was his experience with the Spirit of God. It's not just what he read. 
It's what he knew from walking with God. So the scriptures can tell us that Paul didn't need to be told. He knew what it was like when you were full of the Spirit. But he also knew what it was like when he was grieving the Spirit. See, even if God is silent, I know that if I have love, I'm good. Right? If God is silent, if, I'm, if I have joy, then I'm good. Why? Because I'm bearing the fruit of the Spirit. God doesn't need to tell me to have joy. I already have joy because I'm close to him. Even if God is silent and I have peace, I'm good. I'm not in sin. If I have peace, I'm not in sin. If I'm patient, I'm good. If I'm kind, I'm good. If I'm good, I'm good. If you're good, you're good. How are you? I'm good. Good. But if you're bad, you're bad. If I'm humble, I'm good. If I'm prideful, I'm not. If I'm under control, I'm good. If I've got my life under, if my life is out of control, I'm not good. Well, I need to hear from God. Why? In the silence, he wants to know, do you feel it? Will you obey what you already know? Will you go back? And, and this is what I'm trying to get to. Will you go back to that place that God spoke to you before and find out where you went wrong? Repent of that and begin to walk with him again so he can speak to you clearly. See, I don't need a law. I don't need a rule. Because I already know what God said. The question is, will I obey it from the heart? Or will I have to be told again in the ear, and again in the ear, and again in the ear? I'm not talking about some of you newer Christians who don't know much about Jesus. I'm, you know, you don't know much, so there's not a lot. I talk about tithing. That's like the first time you ever heard anybody talk about it before. In a positive term, like trusting God. So I get that if, you don't, if you've never heard that. But if you've heard it over and over again, come on. If you've heard that you need to love, if you have heard that you need to love people as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have heard that God is love and that he expects us to love others, why don't we love others? Why does God have to say it again? See, the problem is we're not obeying from the heart because we don't feel it in the heart. There's been times that God has spoke to me about things that just literally transformed my life, just changed my life. And it got so deep, it got into my heart so that nothing, once it's there, nothing stops you from following God. Maybe that's the problem. We never get the word, word of God to enter our heart. We never feel it. So what do you do when you sense your sin? What do you do when you read the room and you sense that you're not loving, you're not joyful, you're not peaceful, whatever? Stop what you're thinking. Stop what you're doing and go back and find out where you went wrong. Repent of that and start walking right again. If we confess with our mouth that if we confess our sins, I'm sorry, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, if God ever goes silent, it might be that he wants you to feel something. 
He might want you to obey something. He might want you to sense and repent of something. But I believe more than anything else, when God goes silent, he wants us to speak to him. He might go silent so we will actually have the opportunity to talk to him honestly. I'm going to read all of Psalm 27, which is only 14 verses. But the psalmist writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I've got no one to fear. If the Lord is my light and my salvation, I have no one or nothing to fear. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's faith. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh and my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. I get to see God work on them. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. When was the last time you were confident? Because you knew that God was with you. You knew that God was for you. You knew that God was helping you. You could read the room and know that my spirit's good. You've been doing what you need to do even when not being told to do it. And you know that when God doesn't speak to you, it bothers you. One thing I have asked of the Lord, the psalmist says, that I will see, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. If you've heard the voice of God, why, 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 why would you ever want to walk away from Him? Why would you want to walk away from His love and His grace and His mercy? His guidance. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple. If God's talking to you, you can talk to him and he'll talk back to you. Why would you want to lose that relationship? I couldn't imagine not being able to communicate with my wife. I could not imagine that. It'd be horrible if she couldn't speak back. It'd be horrible if I couldn't speak to her. Our relationship is based upon communication. And we have this amazing relationship because we do talk to each other and we listen to each other. For he will hide me in the shelter, in his shelter in the day of trouble. Let me help you with what he's saying. For he will. For he will hide me in the shelter of his, in the day of trouble. How many of you got into a day, day of trouble and you didn't know whether God was going to hide you in the shelter? Because you haven't heard his voice in so long. But he probably said something like this to you. I got this. But you're so busy making up plans to defend yourself, to fight back, that you didn't hear him say, I got this, just trust me. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. I thought about that, I don't know how he's going to conceal, I just think of scripture that says, that teaches that sometimes people sit on people in tents to hide them. Hey, if... God needs to sit on me to protect me. 
sit away. He will lift me high upon a rock. See, I want to seek a God who will speak to me, who will take me and say, I got you. Let me put you up here where you're safe. Let me lift you high above your enemies. Let me lift you above your difficulties. Let me lift you above your trials and your tribulation. Let me put you in a place where you're going to be safe. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies, meaning he's going to have confidence in himself. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Some of us could use some help in that area. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. See, in the silence, if you're seeking God, you got to get down sometimes and just say, God, please talk to me. I want to hear from you. I don't want to hear my own thoughts. I'm tired of listening to myself talk. I'm tired of the counsel that I'm getting from people that's worldly counsel. I want to hear from you yourself. You have said, seek my face in my heart, my heart, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. See, when God goes silent, you passionately seek to hear from him. You don't want to hear from anything else or anyone else. You want to hear what God has to say. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Has not God been your help? Has not Jesus been your salvation? Then why would you not seek their face? For my father and my mother have forsaken me. Humans have failed us. Come on, humans have failed us. Sometimes you wish humans would shut up. Sometimes you just get tired of having the conversation over and over again with somebody. But the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of mine enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. When God get, goes silent, I wonder how passionately we seek to hear his voice. I think sometimes, and I, I don't know this part of the story because the Bible really doesn't talk about Moses for 40 years in the desert. I can read some things into that. But I wonder how often he passionately sought God's face. How badly he just wanted to hear from God because he stepped out trusting God. How patient he was. If God was silent, maybe it wasn't because of something that he did wrong. It might be something that God was saving him for for a later date, which is exactly what it was. This is how the saints of old who themselves went through seasons of silence 
stayed close to God. Because even when God went silent to them, they sought God's face. I don't believe silence is a word. I believe it's a way to God. Unless you see sin, or you're in sin, silence might be God's way of proving the sincerity of your love for Him. The silence might be God saying, do you feel what it's like to not hear from me? I lost my note. Will you still obey me whether I say it again? Will you obey me the first time? Have you ever thought about that? Why don't we obey God the first time? Because God's truth the first time is still truth. It doesn't have to be repeated. Am I sensing something in the room? And it's not what Pat's doing wrong. It's what I'm feeling about Pat. And the Holy Spirit's not speaking to me. It's because I'm not paying attention to what I'm feeling about Pat, which I'm not feeling anything bad about Pat. So. And does God's silence cause you to passionately seek more of him? I want to be in the word more. I want to be in prayer more. I want to be in church more. I want to be in a place where I can hear from God. I will deal with my sin because I want to see God move. How badly do you want to hear God's voice? How badly? The silence you're experiencing might not be Something you're doing wrong. It might be God trying to draw you to him. You say, well, I get nothing out of the preaching of the word of God. It might be that you're a natural man. And it makes no sense to you. And you need to be a supernatural man. You need the spirit of God to help you understand what the word of God is saying to you. But it might be that you're grieving the spirit of God. Because maybe you don't really want to hear from God. You'd rather hear from your husband or your wife. Or your parents which those aren't bad people to listen to. I'm just saying when it's either talk to them or talk to God, I'm talking to God every time. Let's let's stand if we can. Father, even at this moment, I'm wrestling with what you've said to me to say to them. And if anything happens today, it happens because your voice works greater than my voice. I believe like in the Garden of Eden that you want to walk with us in the garden in the cool of the day and you want to 
talk with us and you want to communicate with us and you want to guide us and you want to lead us and you want to love us and you want to comfort us and you want to strengthen us. But in the silence, we can get frustrated. In the silence, we can think for ourselves. Speak to us, Father. Speak to us loudly and clearly. Sometimes it's through a human instrument, but more often than not, it's just your still small voice, your your spirit speaking to us. Father, let, that, listen, let this not be a moment where we talk about how God is speaking only to us because God's speaking to a congregation full of people. Let us hear from you today. Please, Father, please let these people hear from you. Let them feel when they're not hearing from you, let them be troubled by that. That they might seek your face, that they might seek your word, that they might seek your way. Father, let them read the room. Let them know whether they're in sin or not. Let them sense when your spirit is not filling them, speaking to them, guiding them. Father, help us to go back to those places where we walked away from you, where we stopped obeying you, where we stopped trusting your word. Even in the simplest of things like reading our Bible and praying. Paul told us to pray without ceasing. Paul told Timothy to study thyself, to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another even so much the more as we see the day approaching. We know the end is near, Father. We should be together more, not less. That we should bear fruit of the Spirit. Speak to us today. Speak to us. Please speak. Speak to us. We're here. We want to hear from you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, the Lord's touched your heart and you want to come to this altar and communicate with Him. Maybe God's gone silent and you, you, you know why. Heads bowed, eyes are closed. Come up to the altar. Come up. Reestablish that communication with him. It might be as simple as saying, Father, I've just not been listening. 
I've been listening to what the world says, what others say. I haven't been listening to your voice. And your voice is what I seek. Your voice is what I live for. It's what I want. Take us back to that place, Father, where we stepped away from your voice. Take us, please take us back to that place and show us the moment we stepped away from what you said. That we may surrender that moment to you, seeking forgiveness and repentance. Help me to read my room. What's going on in me that's causing me to grieve the Spirit of God today? As you're trying to speak to us in love and joy and peace and the rest of them. Father, this is holy ground. This is holy ground. You are here. This is holy ground. The place where we should shed the things of the earth, the, the, the shoes that we wear. And just dwell in your presence and just listen to your voice. Hear what you have to say. And I just reminded myself, maybe I just need to stop talking. Father, we're going to leave the room open. We're just going to let music keep playing in the background. But I just pray this morning. That we ask ourselves if we're hearing from you and if the silence is drawing us, if it's it's moving our hearts. Is it causing us to obey what we already know? 
We don't need to be told again. I don't need to be told again to, to have a relationship with you. I don't need to be told again what that relationship looks like. I just need to do what you've already said. I've been spending the whole week, Father, checking my spirit. Because there's been times that I haven't been as loving as I should. And I sensed that and I rectified that. You were there when I heard your voice. There were times when I wasn't feeling joy, Lord God. I just wasn't, wasn't happy. But I knew that wasn't because of you. That was because of me. There were times I didn't have peace. And I knew it wasn't you, it was me. My sin was getting in the way of your voice. Telling me it's going to be okay, that you're putting me on a rock, that you're keeping me safe, that I'm going to be okay, that you love me. Help us to be a people that just seek your face, that we just passionately go after your voice that we want to hear from you more than we want to hear from anything else help us to be a people that don't need the law but that your word is written in our hearts because we've heard your voice and we know what you're saying to us Thank you for today. Father, I simply want to add one more prayer, and that is for the teachers, the Christian teachers in this world that we're living in. They're dealing with a Jezebel spirit. Let them be Elijah's. Let them be Elijah's in a dark world. give them courage and confidence and strength let them stand up to the evil that's in this world let them pray down fire from heaven if that's what it takes hear their cries hear their prayers they get to see as far as I'm concerned the world at its worst and it's those dealing with our children Hear their prayers, hear their cries, and answer them. We love you so, and Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, have a great day, guys. Most of you got one extra day off. Enjoy it. Need help?